Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Michael spent the last two Sundays, if you were with us, speaking about the power of a yielded heart. Do you remember that? <laughs> he spoke about the principle of yielding to the Spirit as opposed to striving and struggling against temptation. Do you remember that? So, in order for us to yield constantly to the Holy Spirit, we need to maintain, this is one of the prerequisites, a heart that is tender, pliable, and most importantly, humble. It is for this purpose that I chose this morning to teach on the dangers of a hardened heart. See, when you have a hardened heart, you cannot yield to the Spirit of God. Your heart goes the other direction, opposing God, frustrating the grace of God, rebelling against God, thinking that you know best. So a hardened heart is completely the opposite of a yielded heart. Would you agree with me? So, according to the Word of God, it is our responsibility, not God's, but ours, to keep a very close watch and to guard our hearts so that they are not contaminated or hardened by the evil influence of this present world. We live in a world that is sinful. We live in a world that does not know God. They do not love God. They run from God, thinking that God is after them to punish them. And yet, this could not be further from the truth. If God runs after you, it's because He wants to give you something, not take anything away from you. He loves you, and He wants to tell you that your sins are forgiven, that He's no longer angry with you but that He has reconciled Himself to you because of Jesus Christ and what He has done for each and every one of us. So, it is our responsibility, according to the Word of God, to keep a close watch, a close guard over our hearts, and we don't allow ourselves to become bitter and angry and hardened and proud and rebellious. That's not God's responsibility. It's our responsibility. Just like it was Adam's responsibility to keep watch and to guard the Garden of Eden that God had handed over to him and keep all of the contaminating influence out of the garden, out of the atmosphere that God placed him in. And if you recall, he failed miserably. Well, 
Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says the following. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart. He's talking to you and I. Keep your heart with all diligence, because out of your heart spring or flow the issues of life. Now, the word issues means something that is sent out or something that is put forth. It is the act of sending out or putting forth. And in this case, it is the heart of the human being that puts forth life. See, life flows from the heart of the human being. The heart, according to the Bible, is the spring of life. The New Living Translation says it this way, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. In other words, the direction of your and my life is determined by the state and the condition of my heart. We are there where we are because of our hearts and the state and the condition of our hearts, either in a place of blessing or either in a place of cursing. We can also say it this way, the direction of your marriage the direction of your finances, the direction of your health is determined primarily by the state and the condition of your heart. So as you can see, the Bible puts a lot of emphasis and a lot of importance on the state and the condition of our heart. So in speaking about the dangers of the heart and heart, we need to first of all examine what the heart is. Of course, when the Bible speaks about the heart, it's not speaking about your physical pump that pumps blood to the rest of your physical body. He's talking about the very center of your being. That's who you really are. Your heart is your spirit. You see, when the, when the Scriptures speak of the heart of man, they refer to the life-giving force of the human being. And according to the Bible, the heart is God's communication center with man. See, that's where God meets you. God doesn't live in your mind. He doesn't live in your body. He lives in your spirit. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. This is where we communicate with the Spirit of God, our spirit, and God's Spirit fellowships together. That is where we meet God, that is where we fellowship with Him, and that is where He fellowships with us. Our born-again heart serves as the seat. We are defining what the heart is, and it's important for you to, to understand that. Our born-again heart serves as the seat or the resting place of God's abiding presence. God is not in a building. He's in a building because you're in a building. 
You know, so often we refer to, welcome to the house of God, referring to this physical building. This is not the house of God. You are the house of God. And God is where you are if you're born of His Spirit. And He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Because He goes where you go. He has no choice because He lives in you. And He lives in me. What a wonderful blessing. We don't have to shout and scream and cry. All we need to do is just whisper sometimes. And God is ever-present. The Bible says He is an ever-present help in a time of need. You don't have to go to a specific place to meet with Him or kneel before you can speak to Him. You can just whisper and He will listen to you and He will hear you. And He will fellowship with you and you fellowship with Him. The Bible says that the love of God was shed abroad where? In our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. So when we received Christ as Lord, we were born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. We were made new. And through this new birth, God gave us a brand new heart. That is the greatest miracle in all of the miracles that God does. Yet it is unseen and in most cases, unfelt. The greatest miracle that you receive from God is a brand new heart, a brand new spirit. That's what the heart is. In which He could place His spirit within your brand new spirit. That's so, so important. The Bible says He removed. When you got born again, he took something out of you and He put something new in you. And that is the solution of the human problem today. That is why they cannot solve the problems and the ailments of the human race unless we receive a new heart. The Bible says He removed the stony heart out of us that was prone to sin, and gravitated towards rebellion, and put within us a heart that is pure, a heart that is sensitive to His ways of doing things. In other words, He put in you a new nature, a nature that loves God and hates evil. Amen? And all of you who have experienced a new birth, you know, in your heart, you want to do good. In your heart, you want to please God. In your heart, you love God because He first loved you. That is in your spirit, in your heart. And that is why when God looks at you, He looks at you in the spirit and in Christ. And He sees you as one who has been made anew in the perfect likeness of Christ Jesus, His Son. And He relates to you on the basis of what Jesus has done and not on the basis of how good you are or how bad you are. 
Oh, I pray that God give us revelation and understanding. Notice what God said through the prophet Ezekiel when he spoke about the new covenant he would establish with his people, the new covenant. And the prophet says, Ezekiel 36, 25, 26, and 27. Now this is God speaking through the mouth of Ezekiel. And he says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart. That's what we're talking about. And put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my commandments, my judgments, and do them. See how God prophesied through the prophet what he will do in the new covenant and what he has done for all of us who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. This is what God has done in the Spirit. The heart, this heart of flesh we received is in the new birth, is referred to a brand new spirit. It refers to as a heart of flesh. Why? Because it's tender. Because it's pliable. It's humble. As opposed to a stony heart, which is hard and proud and arrogant and rebellious. By nature. If you've been born again by nature, you're not proud or arrogant. You're not, you're not a rebellious person. You have a heart that is sensitive towards God, that loves God, that wants to do the right thing. He's taken out that evil nature that was prone to sin and rebellion. And so this, this new heart is capable of hearing God's voice. It is capable of receiving the love and the grace of God easily, not hard. Amen? Thank God for this new heart. Now, it is this heart that Proverbs admonishes us to keep watch over, to look after, to guard it with all diligence, because out of this new heart flow the spring of life, the issues of life. So whether we know it or not, as Alexander Fenter said, we live life from our hearts. That's who you are. Love and faith flow from the heart, and the supply of life flows from, with your, from your heart. Jesus said, a good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Where do good things come from? And where does bad things come from? Where does evil come from? God is not the author of evil. Man is. Because Jesus said, and an evil man out of an evil treasure of his heart what does he do? He gives birth to evil things. And a good man, out of a good treasure of his heart, so if we store the Word of God in our hearts, where the Spirit and the love of God and the faith of God dwells, you and I are going to give birth to what? To good things in life. Every single day of our lives. You see, the heart is the womb of both good and evil. 
Amen? And so, that's why we need to guard it. Now, let me give you a definition of a hardened heart. What is a hardened heart? And the scriptures have a lot to say about the dangers of allowing our hearts to grow hard and callous and indifferent and unkind and unloving. A hardened heart is a heart that has lost its tenderness, no longer tender. It has become insensitive and unresponsive to God and towards people. In other words, God can talk to you every single day, try to warn you of things that you need to be careful of, or the traps of the enemy that he has set before you. But if you have a hardened heart, you are not able to hear it. Because a hardened heart loses its sensitivity to pick up and discern spiritual things. You can't. So a hardened heart, it is the state of someone who has become so dull and void of compassion toward other people. In other words, he doesn't care. So selfish, angry, bitter, unforgiving. That's a hardened heart. If you allow unforgiveness to fester in your heart or anger, that anger will harden your heart and make it unresponsive to God and to people. You cannot receive the love of God. You cannot receive the blessing of God, not because God is not giving it to you, but because you are unable to receive it. It's like you come into a well that's filled with water and you throw a rock into it. You pick up that rock from the water and has taken nothing because of the hardness of the stone. But you throw a sponge in there and you bring it up and it's drenched with water. The same thing with your heart. You see, sin hardens the heart. Disobedience to God hardens the heart. That's why the Bible says, keep watch over your heart. Jesus spoke of such people back in his day, saying, Matthew 13 and verse 15, For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Another word for dull is hard. Their ears, is not talking about physical ears or physical senses here. The Bible is speaking about spiritual senses. Just like you have physical senses, you see, you hear physically, you feel, you smell, even so, your spirit has spiritual senses. You pick up. If your senses are awake and alert and alive in God, you will pick up things that other people don't pick up. You will hear things that other people cannot hear. You will see things that other people don't see. You look at a person, but if you're sensitive to God, you're going to see much more than the physical appearance. You're going to see the souls. You're going to see the needs. You're going to see the pain or the hurt that goes on inside of the human being, and when you see that, you moved with compassion to do something about it. You refrain from judging them. Because you see the condition, and you see why they are in that condition. You're putting yourself in their shoes, and instead of criticizing and judging them, you come alongside with love and compassion and help them to recover and be restored. 
of the hurt and the pain. The world is full of pain and rejection and hurt. But when you have spiritual senses, you're able to pick up things. And when you do, you moved with compassion to meet their needs. And that's what a Christian should do. So Jesus said, the hearts of these people, he's talking of certain kind of people who have grown dull, the ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed. Speaking again of spiritual sight. Lest, listen to this, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with the heart and turn so that I should heal them. You see, you cannot find healing, restoration, prosperity, unless, unless you hear with your spiritual ears, you see with your eyes, you understand God and His ways, and you turn and follow Him. So before we try to fix the outside, we've got to fix the inside. Because the root cause of all of the ails, all of the ailments, all of the problems, all of the grief, the root cause is not on the outside of us, it's on the inside of us. It's not your spouse, it's you. It's not the government, it's me, it's you. Hello? It's not your neighbor, it's you, it's the heart. That's why the Bible says, Keep a constant guard. Watch over your heart. Don't allow it to grow hard. Because if you do, you become unresponsive to God and to man. Hello? You with me? So, when the heart is hardened through sin, it loses its ability to sense spiritual things. Just as in the natural, so in the spiritual. What happens when you die physically? You lose your ability to feel anything. You don't feel physically, you don't feel anything. You're out of your body. You're gone. You can't see, you can't communicate with the physical world. Why? Because you're dead. You had a heart attack or something. God forbid. In the same way, listen to this. When your heart is hardened spiritually, you lose your spiritual senses. And many in the house of God today, within the church, have heart problems. You see, just like we have physical heart condition, we have spiritual heart conditions. Many problems. And that is a result of hardening our hearts towards God and towards people. And this self-imposed hardness is the cause, I believe, of many problems within the church, so much grief within the church today. The problem is that most of us don't even realize it or acknowledge such condition. That's why we need spiritual doctors. That's what pastors are. How's your heart doing? <laughs> Back in the old days in the Methodist church, they used to have these house groups that met, and the first question they asked each other, how's your soul condition? What's your heart like? We need spiritual doctors that can pinpoint the problem. Amen? Just like you have physical doctors, you have spiritual doctors 
That's what pastors, the fivefold ministry is. Amen? So before healing or restoration begins, the hardness of heart needs to be addressed. Amen? And dealt with, because it's the root cause of all your problems, and of all my problems, and of all the problems we're having in the church. It's a heart issue. It's a heart condition. You know, let me give you an example here from St. Mark's Gospel. We see a perfect example of a heart and heart in the religious leaders of Jesus' day who were more concerned about the religious protocols than their desperate need of the people around them. Read with me, please. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man who was there who had a withered hand. And so they watched him, that is the Pharisees, closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of the hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out immediately and plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Here you see a perfect example of a group of people whose hearts were hardened. Jesus, the Bible says, became angry. You know, the Bible does tell us that there is such a thing as righteous anger. And then he says, you, you can be angry as long as you don't sin. And you can be angry all day, but you cannot be angry after the sunset. He says, you better make right before, before sunset. Don't go to sleep angry. <laughs> all right. So, and Jesus was grieved over the hardness of the heart. Why? Well, because the Pharisees knew the Scriptures. They ought to know better. They had the law, the prophets, but they lacked compassion and they lacked mercy. And as a result, they lost the ability to minister to God's people effectively. And that's what happened. They didn't care about the man's problem. They cared about the religious traditions and protocols. You see, the danger of falling into the same category today is just as real as it was in the days of old. You know that? In fact, the danger of this is more real, more prevalent today than it ever was. You know why? Because of the abundance of lawlessness. Jesus said, the hearts grow cold and hard. The flooding of evil in our present world. Matthew 24, verse 12. Listen to what Jesus said. And he's speaking of our day, in the last days. 
And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow what? It's the same thing as saying the hearts of many will grow hard. And he's not talking about sinners or unbelievers or those who don't believe in God. He's speaking about born-again believers. Because in the Greek translation, it says it, the God kind of love of many. In the Greek, there are different words for love. But the love of God is called agape. And he refers to that, that it is the love of God within us will grow cold if we allow lawlessness to enter our lives and our hearts. He says it will grow cold. And Jesus said it is the love of many, not just a few. Do you see how, how the dangers of, of allowing our heart to grow hard and callous is very real? It's very real. And we can, you know, we can sit in church and familiar with the Scriptures, we can boast about the knowledge of God we have and sit in church Sunday after Sunday, sing our songs with our lips, pray, even pay our tithes, and yet remain untouched and unconcerned by the plight of people around us. Because our hearts are hardened. Are you listening to me? God is speaking to us today. And he's saying, watch your heart. You see, when we are no longer touched with the feelings of others' weaknesses or infirmities, when we become critical, judgmental towards others' shortcomings. When we no longer care for those who are lost, it's a sure sign that our heart has been hardened. It's quiet in here. Are you listening to me? I'm going to read that statement once again. When we are no longer touched with the feelings of other people's weaknesses and infirmities, in other words, we don't care. When we become so critical and judgmental of others' faults, when we no longer care for the lost, it's a sure sign that we have a hardened heart. When was the last time you went out of your way to speak to someone about the love of God? Do you recall? The Pharisees didn't care about the man's condition. All they cared about was the religion and the religious tradition. Amen? You see, the same thing can happen to us today. Listen carefully. If we focus on other things and consider them more important than people. It's like, it's like a businessman who runs an enterprise. All he cares about is the profit. All he looks at is the, the, the column for profit and loss. 
works his employers to the bone because he doesn't care about them. All he cares is about the prophets or himself. Are you listening to me? And does not care about the condition of his employers that bring him the prophets. Why? His focus is on the wrong thing. Or like a church or a ministry that focuses more on programs, on buildings, on numbers, on finances, rather than the condition or the state of the flocks. And if we do that, we lost the plot. Anytime we stop caring about people, we lost the plot, because ministry is about people. God loves people. And He cares for them, and He loves them, and He wants to reach them, but He cannot unless we cooperate with Him. And yield, as Michael said, yield to the Spirit. But to yield to the Spirit, you've got to have a soft and tender heart that picks up the needs around you. Sometimes in the same house, two people, three people, with the children living, and they cannot read each other's hearts. And we become unresponsive and hard and bitter and complaining. Hello? We need to understand that God loves people and everything He does, He does it with us in mind. We are His prized possession. Nothing is more important to God than people. And we ought to be the same way, folks. We ought to go out of our way and make, make people understand that we love and care for them. Add value to them with our words, with our actions. Just one small act of love can do so much. And I'm reminded of a testimony of my cousin's wife, Susan. And I'm going to read to you that testimony because it's so, it's so powerful. She wrote this testimony to me. Good morning, Andrew. Hope you and Christella are well. I just needed to tell you something. I have been missing Christella very much lately, and I'm trying to get over a bad flu for two weeks now, and I can't help thinking that when she was here at the beginning of the year, she made me that lovely chicken lemon soup, and within two days, I was better. I don't know if it was the soup, listen to this, or the love that the soup was made with that made me better so fast. I do believe it is the latter. Just shows what a kind act of love can do. Just a simple act of kindness. You don't need to do great and big things. Why was she missing my wife? Because there was a bond of affection and a bond of love that was created between her and my wife through a bowl of soup given to her in a time of need. It wasn't the soup that healed her, she said. It was the kindness and the love that was communicated. Are you still with me? All right, let's go on. I'm going to find my place again. So we need to understand that God loves people. The people you may not like, not get on well with, the people that you work with, your neighbors, 
All the same, black, white, yellow. Do we love people that way? And if we do, how do we show it? Ephesians 5 says, 1, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And I want this morning, there is one thing I believe God wants me to communicate to you, a message from God's heart to our heart, and it is this. We must never allow our hearts to grow hard and indifferent towards God and towards people, all kinds of people, regardless of how we are treated in life. And let me say this in closing. Life in general, you know, all you have to do is live. And life in general can turn us into hard-hearted, cynical, unforgiving, bitter people. Do you know that? Circumstances in life, hurt, betrayal, can turn us into such kind of people. Life has a way of molding us into bitter and unforgiving if we allow it. That, that, is, that is the wonderful gift that God has given us, the freedom of choice, if we allow it. Therefore, the need to constantly keep a close watch over the state of our hearts continually. How? By keeping our focus on the Lord and focusing on the right things. The Word of God says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And we have examples of people all around us who, because of painful experiences, have become mistrustful, angry, cynical, unforgiving, because they have chosen to focus on themselves rather than on God. And one wonderful example is Joseph. I am amazed by the testimony of this young man. He's one of the most admirable people for me in the Bible. Why? Because Joseph, as a young man of 17 years of age, with no parents, he had no Bible, he had no fellowship with other people who believed like he believed. No one. He had no one to talk to. And yet... He was betrayed by his own brothers, sold into slavery by his own flesh and blood, later on falsely accused by his master's wife who wanted to sleep with him, and she had him thrown into prison. Yet in all of his sufferings and in all of the unjust treatment he received from people, he kept his focus on God and he kept his focus on his dreams. He refused to harden his heart or seek revenge on those who caused him so much pain. And he chose to maintain an attitude of faith and reliance. There's a lesson for us here to learn today, isn't there? What about you? Where are you? That's why I believe that all of us need a circle of friends around us. Don't isolate yourself from the fellowship where God placed you. You don't need many, just one or two, who love us enough to tell us the truth. Are you listening to me?
We need to find at least one person that we can be vulnerable with. The best person, of course, is our spouse. But you see, sometimes we come out critical rather than, and judgmental rather than understanding and kind. You see, when you have people who love you, regardless, they accept you as you are with all your faults and shortcomings, but they still love you, and they love you enough to tell you the truth, when your heart grows hard, when you become bitter, unforgiving, and angry. Amen? That's why the Scripture says in the book of Hebrews, Therefore, brethren, Hebrews 3, chapter 3, verse 10, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But... Listen to this, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest there be any of you hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's for this purpose that we are admonished to exhort one another. To exhort means to urge, to advise, to caution earnestly. Like I'm doing with you today, I'm cautioning you earnestly, admonished urgently. It also means to give urgent advice, recommendations, warnings. And Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Amen? Amen? Do you have that friend that can talk to you when you're allowing your heart to grow hard? If not, you need to find one. And I'm sure God will send you one if you want one. And if there are anyone here this morning amongst us this is the wonderful good news, the gift of God. And you haven't got this brand new nature. You don't know God. You, 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 you don't have fellowship with God. God can give you a brand new heart within a minute. The Word of God says, if you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead you will be saved. Saved means receive a new nature, receive a new heart. It is just as simple as that. So let's stand together and close in prayer. And I'm asking you as we stand before God this morning, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, examine my heart. Help me. Not, not in order to condemn myself, but in order, Father, to adjust my attitude. And all it takes sometimes is just a little adjustment. It doesn't take ages to repent and be willing. Just a little, little, little adjustment. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me for my anger. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me for my unforgiveness. I'm sorry, Lord, for hardening my heart. Please help me and show me the way so that I can Keep my heart tender and pliable and humble before you. 
Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.